I had this idea, I felt like I owed it not only to my student and the students in my school, but to every young person to at least have the courage to give it a crack. So that's what I did. Welcome to the Ripples of Radical Generosity podcast by Coralis, a global community of women and non-binary people making real progress on the world's to-do list. Together, we're transforming the world to become more equitable and sustainable. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm Connie Henson, one of the activators for Coralis, and I have the pleasure of interviewing Rachel Downey today from Steiny. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hi, I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. Rachel, I was wondering if you could start by just telling us a little bit about your journey. How did you get to this place? It's um, it's a pretty crazy story, I guess. Um, and for anybody listening, just a bit of a heads up, I guess, a wellness warning. Um, my journey to here has actually been centered around harm, um, more specifically, um, suicide and self-harm and family violence and those sorts of things. So um, just be gentle with yourselves, maybe while you're listening to a little bit of the content. And if you need to have a, a chat with somebody, please make sure that you do that. Because I have been an educator for about 30 years and a number of years ago, a student of mine died by suicide. And it wasn't actually the first time that had happened in my teaching career, but it was the first time that um, it was, it, it really, the process of that felt preventable because um, after this boy died, students came forward and told us about some really big things that he'd been saying and things that had been happening in his life. Like um, he, he was um, being subjected to pretty horrific family violence. He had actually told other students that he didn't want to be here on this earth anymore. And that he was also getting bullied online and face-to-face -face pretty much on a daily basis. And I think that event, um, because of unless you've experienced grief on mass, as in if you're managing a school and something critical like this happens, it's, it's remarkable how it affects you. And I just felt motivated to try, I know it's not the reality, but to at least try to give people an opportunity so that this wouldn't happen again. So after speaking to lots of students about that gap, why didn't you speak to us? Why didn't you have the courage to say something? We just had to acknowledge that the world's changed a little bit, I guess, and they spend a lot of time, you know, in what I call their virtual villages, sort of counselling each other, and often then things escalate to a point where um, grown-up or educated intervention's not going to make much of a difference anymore. So I invented an anonymous online reporting tool that kids report all kinds of harm through everything from um, family violence, sexual assault, bullying and harassment, peer-to-peer um, -peer issues, uh, mental health, all sorts of illness, hurdles, any challenge that a young person might face. And last year, we delivered more than 100,000 notifications. That's where we're at. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's an incredible story, Rach. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm I'm really pleased that you've given us a little bit about kind of personally what brought you to create this app. Because an app seems like an app, right? But then yeah, when you tell yeah. the story, it, it 
just really brings it down home to how important it is. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. And I think um, worldwide we're experiencing, you know, deep concerns about young people and mental health. The state of the world um, is a bit challenging right now. Certainly in Australia, you know, there's lots of financial challenges. There's challenges around consent and relationship violence. And we are already this year at woman number 70 being killed by a current or former partner. So intimate partner violence in Australia is um, very, very bad. And our youth are the people who are going to have to be um, the ones to fix all of these issues that essentially my generation has actually made for them. So I just I, I just think that courage is important and in business and entrepreneurship as well. And in our day-to-day lives with other humans, we need to lean into courageous conversations. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that... Um... Because it's it, like you, you're a, we're an educator. That was your focus for a long mm-hmm. time. But when you looked around, it's like the education remained important, but it was clearly another path that you needed to take. Yeah. And it was a path of being an entrepreneur. Tell us yeah. about that. That's a big shift. It was really scary, too, because, <laughs> you know, I'm in a really safe position, like teachings. You know, and and also too, I just bloody loved teaching as well. Like I did not have a single day where I woke up and went, I don't want to do this today. Like I I love working with young people. Um, They're so vibrant and alive. And I I think this student dying just really like it was like slamming up against a brick wall. I realised that they weren't all, you know, vibrant and that there was this like deep undercurrent but the biggest challenge actually was facing my own institutionalization because you get a curriculum to teach. You've got child protection boundaries that you've got to operate under. You've got rules and regulations. And whilst I was always a bit of a boundary pusher and I was also a visual art teacher, so, you know, um, vision is sort of my my bread and butter, you know, creating a vision and then helping students, you know, bring their visions to fruition. Um, That's obviously, you know, the biggest part of being an entrepreneur and having that faith in your own creative ability and problem-solving ability. So I feel like maybe I had parts of that but stepping out of you know a well um you know paying well balanced uh job I felt um into lord knows what um (laughs) was really scary but you know honestly um I just didn't feel like I had a choice because I had this idea I felt like I owed it not only to my student and the students in my school, but to every young person to at least have the courage to give it a crack. So that's what I did. That's incredible. And I love it. It's like you had the motivation. You you had at least part of the means. You knew yeah. it's like having a vision. That's a big part of it. Yes. Um, and then you just, then courage. I love that. It's like you just have to have courage to take that first step, don't you? Yeah, it is. And um, I mean, I walk around in this shirt every day. See, say something. And say something, I, yeah. Yeah. So it's about how you speak to yourself, how you say something to yourself. It's about us having the courage to say something to other people because one of the biggest things that actually was quite challenging when I started this journey was the amount of people who told me I was stupid. They're like, wow. why would you give up this career that you love 
to jump into the unknown. And we've got a saying in my um, company in Stymie, um, when people say, oh, can we blah, 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 I say, mate, we can make whatever we want. And, and I honestly believe that. And each day, month, minute you spend working in an environment where you really truly believe you can make what you want because you've actually made that happen. I've actually got goosebumps just talking about it. That is something that excites me. Um, you've just got to have the courage to say to people, you know, why aren't you on my side? Or you know, why aren't, why aren't you being more supportive or, and, and then you've also got to have courage to ignite courageous conversations with other people, because you're going to need to ask people to do stuff for you. (laughs) (laughs) Sweat and skin equity. Sometimes I call it, (laughs) you know, get a bit grazed because everything's moving quickly sometimes, because obviously we built a piece of technology and that changes every second some days. Yes. So you've got that whole technical piece, but you've said something that really just kind of perked my ears up and it was around getting other people to be part of this vision. Yes. You all, As an entrepreneur, you need a lot of help to get going. Tell us about that. Well, it was an interesting um, part of the journey. I was teaching. I also took on like a, a, a waitressing job that was a, a cash in hand job, essentially, to raise my first $15,000 um, to take it to a development team to build what I asked for. And when I told them the backstory, they were like, oh, we'd really love to help you. And, you know, we'll be able to do a bit of this and a bit of that. And they they actually ended up taking my money and they didn't deliver the product. In fact, on launch day, they didn't even call me. And the way that I found out it had been launched, the first school that I had asked to come on board, they actually called me and said, Rachel, the, the, the site's live, but um, it's not working. And they sent me a screenshot of just all of this jumbled code. And I was like, oh, my God. So I, I literally went down to the office and, and I said, what's, what's going on? And um, there were lots of excuses. But long story short, uh, they built something that was broken that I needed to take to another company to fix. And they didn't want to hand me the code that I'd paid for. So they literally took my money. Um, didn't deliver the work and I ended up having to go through a legal process um, to get the code that I'd paid for um, so that I could take it to somebody else. So at that point, I was like, I was like, is this a tipping point? Is this like fate or universe or bigger energy telling me that this is a bad idea? Or do I just need to lean into this really shitty thing that's happened (laughs) and work harder? So I decided to work harder. I asked a friend to lend me some money. She did. And I built it again. And then amazing things started to happen. That is really remarkable. And I think it it really is like the parallel between your journey on this and the journey that many of the young people are dealing with, where you run up against a wall, but how do you then back up and go again? It all comes back to your core business and your purpose. Not everybody is going to have the same kind of purpose, but I think what you learn, because I I connect with and I, I speak with um, lots of entrepreneurs and, and young entrepreneurs about this, if you bump up against a wall and you don't have the resilience to keep going early on in the piece, maybe um, you need to redefine what your purpose is because... Mm. 
I've, I have had lots of hurdles in this work and one of them meant that in year three I had to go back to full-time work because we weren't getting enough schools to come on board. So the schools are the ones who, who pay for access to this notification platform. And I needed to step back into quite a big role in the school. So I was working full time as, um, you know, a department lead. And then every uh, public holiday, school holiday, I was going and launching schools. So essentially for 18 months, um, I worked, you know, ridiculous hours every week. Um, but I needed to keep pushing. But the only reason I could do that was because I was doing it because I wanted to build a child protection tool. And even in school, because I was back working in schools every single day, I could still see kids harming each other. I, I was having conversations with children and parents where the children were being abused or um, had anxiety so bad that they couldn't come to school. So my purpose was what kept me going on those days where, you know, I, 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 couldn't even make a decision because I was so exhausted, but mm. uh, it did pay off. So I, I would say that the resilience piece is really important and linked into that is also self-care because, mm. um, you know, I also didn't do that for a period of time. And I think that your company can really, really suffer because often you're asking people to do extra. You also need to make sure you look after yourself so you can look after them. So yeah. it's kind of like this beautiful puzzle that we make of purpose, resilience, uh, relationships and self-care. And all of those things are, you know, the fuel that keeps the idea going. Absolutely. Thank you. That's excellent. So you had a very tumultuous time, some ups, some downs, and Crazy. and and you kept going. Now you've gotten, gotten involved with Coralus. Yeah. What difference has that made? Oh, uh, look, um, being, uh, I don't even actually know where to begin. Um, a couple of years ago, I I sort of quietly in the background joined meetings and listened to these amazing people talk about what they were doing. And I think even at that point in time, I just didn't, feel like I could compete with people's amazingness and I think after listening to so many people's journeys and the challenges that they'd faced just really resonated with me and that sort of helped me build the resilience um, to keep going and then the courage to actually apply as a venture and then I applied as a venture and I made it through to uh, the residency, but for personal reasons, um, I had to pull out. I had another very big life challenge in front of me. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, I had to pull out. And then it's taken sort of two years to go through that um, personal journey. And I applied as a venture and was accepted this year. So I've had the absolute privilege of going through the weekend, you know, the, the three-ish day residency program with three other ventures. And then they invited other successful ventures um, from past years. And just having, everybody talks about this community as being supportive, but, you know, it's it's beyond that. They're I hope this doesn't sound weird, but the love, 
Like love mm. is many things, right? It's understanding, it's action, you know, it's a verb, it's a doing word. And the way that these people are just doing their business love is just something that, um, oh, it's it's really helped me so much. And there are people who understand, you know, that some days you wake up and something goes wrong in your business and it's like, I have no idea how the hell I'm going to fix this because a lot of entrepreneurship, obviously, this entrepreneurial process is that some of us have innovated and we've invented things that have never been invented before. So actually often trying to find a mentor or somebody to help you do that problem solving doesn't happen. But since I've connected with the Coralist community, I've actually found people who are able to think outside the box. Um, MJ is definitely one of them. Um, Vicky is definitely one of them as well. You know, just sitting around outside at the venture weekend, this problem that I've been trying to solve for five years, Vicky was just like, have you thought about? And I was like, no. <laughs> and the problem was fixed. So so, so many things, so many amazing things. There's that technical piece of that, thinking out of the box piece and just, you know, getting the diversity and the different perspectives. But this issue that you've named love, this is different. There's not many places where you say people are feeling and doing love. The business, the work is love. We don't talk about business love enough. You know, we we often hear, you know, kind of, flip things that people say are oh, like my work wife this or my work husband this like when when you're working for someone else and you develop those kinds of relationships but then when you run and find you know you're the founder and you own and you innovate finding other people who literally understand the granular pieces of that the amount of hours that you've kept going when like honestly you just didn't didn't think you could you know I I remember a day where I was traveling to central Queensland it was like a 15 hour drive one way and it was hot the hire car wasn't a particularly great one and I hit an emu and they are a very big bird like they're taller than me and it's awful like and I love animals so I'd hit this bird and I was devastated and I got out of the car and it had died, thankfully. And I spent like the next 200 kilometres, like bawling my eyes out. And then if you can believe this, I, um, on the way back, um, hit a very big kangaroo and um, it did not die. And that is a pretty horrific process. And in this, and in this, I was sitting in this car because I travelled out to this community where, you know, we... Um, we're working on some Indigenous perspectives and we really wanted to provide support to this Indigenous community. And after I had killed these two animals and I was feeling sorry for myself, I was like, why, what are you doing? Like, and after I hit this kangaroo, I also nearly rolled the car. And I've had many instances like that where I've had this moment of like, what are you doing? Like, is this worth it? And then when I get an email that says, thank you for saving my life. That's the answer to that question, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's being able to speak about things like that and knowing that, um, you know, people in this community understand that they, they um, 
they're they're able to sympathize um but then dig into their empathy and then turn around and say hey Rach what do you need like that's the thing love is an action I I fight with my girlfriend about this all the time (laughs) I'm like love is a doing love is a doing word yeah right I think I think love is an action too You can do love. Absolutely. Yeah. You can do love. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I think it is, it's in my experience of Coralis as well. It is mm-hmm. a community of, of a lot of action and action, love and action. It's love yeah. and action. Absolutely. And I guess also from, you know, the perspective that a, a lot of people are actually the things that they're actually working on. Like it's actually not just about building a business to make money. Like the four purpose work that people in Coralist do is just bloody amazing. And, you know, the the imposter stuff is real. Like that weekend I was, you know, um, on the venture weekend, like sitting around listening to what people are doing. And you you honestly have these moments of like, what the hell am I doing here? And, um, and you know, the recognition that we're all actually just humans trying to solve some really quite complex problems and we're actually doing it as well is a is a beautiful thing to to have the opportunity in this community to connect, connect with people like that. Yeah, yeah, you're totally actually doing it. So, Rich, I'm going to ask you, um, and this, I'm just going to pop this out there, but what is your ask? Anyone listening to this podcast, how can they help Stein me? How can they help you? Oh, honestly... We believe that stymie should be in every single school, uh, in every Mm -hmm. single country. So if um, people know people who work in schools and they they would like, um, you know, to connect with us and say, how do we um, get this happening in our community? I'm very interested in having discussions with people about that. My ask is also one of our biggest difficulties is marketing because Stymie is anonymous. It's an anonymous reporting tool. So if I wanted to make a notification about you because you've told me that something really awful is happening at home, I'll make a notification and then um, the school doesn't know that I've sent it, but what they will do is come and have a private conversation with you and say, Mm -hmm. how can we help you? And it's a beautiful process in terms of bystanding behaviours and, you know, getting help for people but not necessarily needing to be involved. And because of that, we can't advertise on big billboards and say, hey, use stymie because then um, they'll, people will start to question the fidelity to the anonymity. Mm-hmm. The people who buy the product are the schools but the people we need to remind to use it are the kids, but we don't have access to the kids. So we have this really multi-tiered kind of complex um, problem that I still haven't been able to solve after eight years, which is how can we advertise this um, without it being, you know, given to the wrong people? So if anybody's got any ideas about that. Um, that's definitely one of our asks. But just, you know, having a look at what we do and if it aligns with your values, um, finding ways to help us get into more schools is so that we can protect more children. You know, we delivered like 9,000 notifications last year about suicide ideation. 
So we don't see them. We don't know if that meant that 9,000 times a life was saved. Um, I know that at least a couple of thousand times that was probably the case, or at least an important conversation was had. Um, and that's something that all children should have access to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Rachel. This has been an incredible conversation. And I really hope that our listeners have heard your ask to let, let you know about schools, but also to think about this very complex issue, because I think yeah. there's a lot of clever people out there listening, and we certainly invite them to, let's hear some ideas. This is an opportunity to put love into action. Yeah, and I think just a little bit further to that, what I could ask everybody to do is to think about a time where they probably needed to stand up and say something, either for themselves or on behalf of somebody else, and they didn't because the uncomfortable conversation was too much for them. So I'm part of a generation because I'm in my 50s that did not have, does not have the guts and courage to say things like, hey, mate, I love you, but the way you talk about women isn't okay with me. Or Auntie Pam, I love you, but your racist jokes are not welcome at the table this year. Instead, what we say is, oh, that's just Auntie Pam, or that's just, you know, John, he's, he's always spoken about women like that. So I would ask all of you, please, for the sake of um, safety of all humans, to lean into those un uncomfortable conversations and call people out on those kinds of comments and behaviours if it's actually safe to do so. You got to say something. <laughs> say something. Absolutely. Yeah. So I love your t-shirt and I love that. Say something. Hey, Rachel, before we end, um, how can people get in touch if they want to learn more or if they if they have some ideas or they want to participate in some way? Oh, um, cool. Well, there's two ways. Uh, just email me, uh, Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L at stymie com.au or if you want to find out more about what we do you can go to about.stymie.com.au and that will sort of give you an overview of what we do um, each and every day fantastic thank yeah. you so much Rachel thanks for being here today and for talking to us on the Coralist podcast thank you thanks heaps Thank you for listening to the Ripples of Radical Generosity podcast. Let us know what you thought of the episode and share this podcast with your friends. We invite you to join a global community of radically generous women and non-binary folks at www.coralis.world.